Welcome to episode 32 of On Air, the Ohio Hockey Digest podcast. The Ohio Hockey Digest is the foremost location for hockey in Ohio, covering every level, played from youth and high school to juniors, college, and pro. Articles written to keep the hockey community up to date on all happenings with hockey in Ohio. My name is Tim Sullivan. Tonight, I'm joined by Scott Harrington and producer Dan Humphrey. With On Air, we are bringing you fresh content and adding voices, names, and faces to interesting people making Ohio hockey community better. This episode of Ohio Hockey Digest On Air podcast is brought to you by Team Ohio. Time in the rink as a Team Ohio player is about more than competition. It's about seizing opportunities to grow as athletes, being a great teammate, and part of a community. That's why Team Ohio's premier Tier 2 hockey program welcomes youth players ages 5 to 18 years old to join the nationally lauded program. With reasonable fees, transparency, and athletic development that has prepped players for for teams at all levels, Team Ohio is here to coach players for success, both on and off the ice. Go to teamohio.com to learn more. Well, last week, Scott, you, uh, Lev, and Humphrey had an opportunity to catch up with a pair of Youngstown Phantoms uh, and one current and one former Youngstown Phantom. Uh, Ben Schoen, with the ink still wet on his national letter of intent to Penn State, talked about how much fun he had in his first two years in the USHL, including a few 20-plus-hour bus trips. Ben and the rest of the Phantoms are looking forward to their home opener this Friday night. Uh, Again, I wasn't on last week's show. I had an opportunity to listen to it. And, you know, you want to really talk about uh, junior hockey when when he was talking about the 20-hour bus rides. That's junior hockey right there. I mean, you got, got to get the music going from Slapshot right there, man. You figure out a way how to sleep on those buses. You figure out a way that you don't get all stiff and cramped up. But, you know, it was, it was for me, I, I actually took it as, a, as one of our listeners, not as someone who usually hosts the podcast or whatever. And so it was really nice just to kind of hear it that way. Yeah, it was really cool talking to Ben. It, it sounds like he's having a lot of fun. Like, he, he really enjoys uh, – playing in the USHL and playing with the Phantoms. And he said he even likes the bus trips. And then he yeah. you know, talked about some of the ones. I mean, you look at it on paper and you don't really think about it. But like their opening weekend, they played in uh, Chicago, Dubuque, uh, and then Chicago again. <laughs> and that's, you know, 20 hours or so. Like, you know, and they do several trips like that each year. It's kind of a, like, a, like you said, a throwback to the old – bus leagues he's talking about how they played uh, was it waterloo where they had dollar beer night and that they're always the fans are all worked up when they play there and right they had to squeegee the beer off the ice for a shootout some one other time um so he's definitely uh enjoying the experience and uh talented young man and uh like lev said penn state got a good one and uh, it'll be very interesting to see him uh, move on and play in the big 10 yeah you know and, and we talked two weeks ago to Adam Odon uh, about how Penn State is doing an awesome job here in Ohio. I mean, obviously in Penn, in Pennsylvania, but also yeah. here in Ohio. So, um, you know, Penn State definitely did get a good one there. We wish him the best of luck uh, uh, at Penn State and in his future. Uh, we also talked to former Phantom Curtis Hall, uh, who joined us. Curtis was uh, just getting settled 
uh, back home here in Northeast Ohio after the Ivy League shut down winter sports completely. Um, he will still continue his studies at Yale, but do it remotely. Uh, Curtis, who had a fantastic so- sophomore season, was hoping to have a big junior year and then consider what his options might be on turning pro. Uh, but the shutdown forced him to consider that option early. He's just one of the many players grappling with the scenario, uh, but he's done an excellent case study. Most players want to turn pro as fast as they can, uh, sometimes to their detriment. But here's a kid that wants to take the time, uh, develop his all-around game, and get himself ready for the next level. Uh, but has it been taken away from him? I don't think it has. Uh, you know, in listening to that podcast, you're talking about a guy who legitimately uh, is thinking – with his brain and not his, uh, his hockey stick. Yeah. Or his pocketbook. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So he, he, uh, you know, he definitely has a good head on his shoulders, uh, talking to, you know, I've not met him before previously, but, um, you know, Russ Sinkwitz had good things to say about him. He's a good kid and all that. And he definitely, you know, he, a lot of people, uh, our players would be thinking, you know, sign that first pro contract just as soon as you can. And he was saying, you know, he was looking forward to going back. He thought he needed more time at the college level. He had a big year last year too. I don't yeah. think we really talked about that a whole lot. He put the puck in the net quite a bit last year for Yale. Um, so he was hoping to go back and, and really dominate in the ECAC this year and then talk about it, you know, after three years of college, that was kind of the plan. He's sticking to it, but I don't know. I mean, it, and you you'd hate to pass up a, not that he couldn't go back and finish, but an Ivy League opportunity to get an Ivy League education, obviously. But if you're in his shoes, you can't, you can't take a whole year off. No, you, you, you can't. At 20 years and, old. No, you can't. I agree. You can't do that. Um, and that's why when we talked uh, two weeks ago, you know, the option, you know, do, does the NCAA allow these kids to go play in a different league uh, and then come back? And, and even, even if, like, I was thinking about that when we talked about that, even if you still dock them a year, like if they're going to go, if they're going to go choose and play, as an amateur status somewhere, well, their time, their clock is still ticking, right? Mm. You know, and I know some of these kids, their clock isn't ticking because it's they get an extra year added to them, right? But if these kids choose to go play at a different in another league as amateur status, their time is still clicking. That's part of the the you know the, would be part of the program. Um, but but what you just said was right. How do you walk away from a Yale education, a Yale degree? And I wish I would have had, asked Adam this. I don't know the answer to this. Um, what is the longevity of, I mean, we're not talking a guy that plays in the NHL for, for, you know, like a Yammer Yager, right? What's the, like the base longevity of somebody who comes out of an Ivy league school and plays some sort of pro hockey? Because if, if these, if these guys are done by 28 years old, well, you got to have yeah. a backup plan. Right. And when you've got a Yale degree in your back pocket, that's a right. pretty damn good backup plan, man. That's a great backup plan. Right. Political science major, he said. He's yeah. So interesting time to be getting into that. Right. Yeah. So, but yeah, I mean, it's it's it sucks for so many athletes, and I talked about this uh, a couple weeks ago. Not only just athletes, but like, I mean, think about think about uh, like a school like the the like the the arts schools in New York that these these kid these kids, although they can't perform. Yeah. How the hell are they going to try to, uh, you know, get onto Broadway or into movies or whatever? They're not allowed to perform in front of anybody. Yeah. So it, it's just, it's not a good time for anybody. No. You know, and I know we focus on hockey and, and sports, but it's not a, a good time for anybody. 
Yeah. And the other thing, and we didn't really get into this, but, you know, he's looking at the, the Bruins reserve list. You know, he's a fourth round pick of the draft of the Boston Bruins. Um, guys that he's going to be competing for jobs against. The European guys are playing. Yep. Some of the guys that are in the same boat as him are going to leave school and play. So even if he thinks the best thing to do is to wait a year and, and go back to play another year at Yale, a bunch of guys in the same situation are going to be playing in Providence in the American League, and they'll be a year ahead of him. Kids that are in junior hockey, uh, I guess they're starting late. They haven't played yet, but, um, you know, they all tend to turn pro earlier anyhow. So you have to look at it that way. I'm sure he's talking to his agent about it uh, or his advisor because he's a college, college player. But um, he's got to look at that picture, too. And if he sees a bunch of kids drafted his year or the year before him, all playing and signing and getting ready to go to Providence to play for their farm team in the American league in February kind of puts the heat on a little bit, I think, doesn't it? It might put the heat on. Yeah. But you could also look at the other way and say, he goes, he goes an extra year hones in on his game and maybe the Boston Bruins don't take him, but maybe the the Arizona coyotes or, or some other team takes him. you know, maybe there's a need in some other organization um, I, I don't you listen. I listen. Curtis Hall will make the best decision for Curtis Hall, and whatever decision that is, uh, I re, I respect the hell out of it because I know it's it's the right one for him, right? Yeah. Um, you know, we we can't we can sit down here and speculate what would be good, what would be right. You know, it it's right for him. You know, whatever it may be. You know, I mean, we look we look when we listen to Mike Rupp, and Mike Rupp said, you know, he probably would have gone the college route. Yeah. You know, at that time though, he felt that that was the right move for him or he was advised as, as you said it was the right move for him so but well hey listen it, it was it was good it's good to be back um and uh it, it's been kind of a crazy week uh here in uh, the state of ohio high school hockey is underway so that's we're gonna talk a lot about that today um but we are embarking on a pretty big snowstorm rolling in through the the area uh today tonight and tomorrow so uh Let's let's talk to some of the guys and and Danny, what's new with you? Um, not too much. Um, I mean, before I get going on anything, I just want to call out as you guys refer to a management who was giving me shit last week for saying I already put up my Christmas tree. I see he's got a little wreath on that lamppost behind him. Wow! So yeah, he's he's getting in the Christmas spirit. Um, but no, we. Talking of Christmas, uh, the wife and I decided no presents for each other this year. Ooh. That we were going to go on a, a big gift for both of us. So, Ooh. what is the big gift? Last night we just updated or uh, upgraded the queen size bed to a king size. Ooh, ooh! So that should be here by the end of the week. And uh, that's just there we go, Scott. Scott, you and I have been married for a lot longer than Danny has. <laughs> Man, that's true love, isn't it, Scotty? <laughs> want to be just a little bit further away from you <laughs> so i can sleep better yeah right right yeah listen i'd like to update the queen to the king why it gives us more room <laughs> well well that's good Danny. How it starts you, yep and I, yeah that's how it starts uh and i i give i give you uh credit for uh putting your needs over your wants right yeah, that's that's the best part of it well scott i do see the wreath back there and and um you know, you're claiming it's not Christmas spirit, but it is a Christmas wreath. So 
Uh, I'd oh. like to know, I'd like to know, you know, what was the th thought process there? Nobody likes Christmas more than me. I love it. It just, I don't start decorating for it prior to Thanksgiving. That's all. We'll get our, we'll get our tree next weekend. Are you one of these guys that go out with your saw and you hack it down? I, you know what? I grew up on a farm in New Hampshire and we used to literally go out there just like Clark Griswold yeah. and saw it down and uh, like right out of a Norman Rockwell painting. It was awesome. Yeah. Used to, yeah. But, uh, and we had a plot, we had a fake one for a couple of years, but now we're back on, uh, we'll go out and get a, get a nice uh, real tree here uh, this weekend. Get that going. Oh. The house is already decorated. Okay. So I have, I have, uh, I have questions, but I have got stories because I grew up with real trees my whole life. Yeah. And, um, you know, we never, we, we would go to the lot and, and I grew up in Lakewood. So we didn't, you know, I did, we could have gone to the farms, but I didn't. So we would go to the lot, pick it up and we bring it back. And my, my father always had to get the tree that never fit through the, the door. Right. And then never fit. It was always way too high. So <laughs> this was, uh, this is a true story. So I was in high school. I think I was maybe a sophomore or junior in high school. Uh, my older brother was already gone in college and he goes and gets, well, we go and get this tree and, you know, you got to you know, lug it on the top of the car, you know, and it, it's probably scratching the hell out of the paint, but it doesn't matter because you need to get the Douglas fir because it smells good and you oh, got to yeah. fill it up with water because if you don't, then it catches on fire or the dog will drink the water out of it. You know, it's a great time. Right. And uh, so we get it in the house and it was like, it was like literally trying to get uh, a square peg in a round hole. Right. Yeah. But we finally get it in the house and we, we can't fit the, uh, the stand on it. It's too thick. And so he's like, uh, Oh, I'll be right back in the middle of the living room. Starts up the chainsaw. Start chainsaws this thing like down to like a, a, a peak. Right. And I mean, it is, there's, there's wood going everywhere. And my poor mother is standing there. Like, I cannot believe he's doing this right now. And so then we, we get it in there. Right. And we go to stand it up and it's like literally a foot and a half too big. <laughs> he's like, take it down, take it, take it off, take it off. And all of a sudden no he's just like, <laughs> 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 yeah. Oh yeah. You know, he's so, thinking the right thing to do is to take this outside and do this, but I'm not trying to go through that door again. No. So my, here my, here's my question to you. When you guys would go and cut it, yeah. did you, did you ever bring it home and it had like a, a, a nest or something in there? I don't remember that ever happening. Okay. I could, Cause I could see that happening. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. The squirrels in there or something. Yeah, no, we yeah. would just go out with a sled and a saw, not a chainsaw, regular saw, cut it down, drag it back to the house. But my parent, we actually planted Douglas firs with the intention, I think at the time of selling them, which we never ended up doing, but my parents were planting them. And I was not big enough to be of any help. You know, my dad was digging the holes. My mom was putting them in, planting them. And they had a nice straight line going. And they got on a got on a roll and just kept going and going. And then they stopped and realized they had gone onto the neighbor's property and planted, <laughs> and planted all these trees. But it was way in the back. And there was an old couple. They were never going to get back there. So they were just going right. right. Well, <clears throat> well, that's good. I'm glad that you uh, are getting into the Christmas spirit here soon. Uh, we uh, For myself... Traveled this weekend with the high school team. It was a good, it was great to get out. It was great to, to get in the rinks. Um, I want to give a big shout out to Sylvania Northview and Steve Elliott. We had him on the show. Um, he had a, uh, uh, the cold turkey uh, shootout up at uh, uh, Sylvania Tam O'Shanner. 
he had a, uh, a JV division and a varsity division. And the way that he and his group ran this so smoothly to keep players, coaches, spectators safe, distant, and, and have it run seamless, it, it was. I, I sent him a text message uh, this morning and how impressed I was. Uh, and, and if we can continue to do things like that, and I, I have to be honest with you, the, the, the Lucas County Board of Health, I wish they stood there all day long and watched how this operated because I, I you know, they're, they just announced that they're going to shut all sports down in Lucas County. Uh, I think it's coming down like December 4th. They mentioned that uh, the coaches were mentioning that to me before we left. There's no reason to shut it down with how they ran it. There's no reason. And I'm not, I'm not talking as a, a, a like a, someone who's very pro high school sports. I'm talking to somebody who was like, all right, I would definitely bring my family in to watch a hockey game with how, uh, safe and, and, and sound they were being. So huge shout out to Steve from Northview and his group. Cause I knew it. I know it takes an army to do that. So huge yeah. shout out to those guys. Um, so who, yeah. So, uh, who won the varsity division in that time? Uh, St. Edwards did. Did they? Oh. Yeah, they did. Nice. Yeah. And, and there was a, there was, there's a, 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 a JV part of it too. Who, and who won the JV also... tournament? <laughs> well, St. Edwards did. <laughs> All right, we'll leave it there. We don't want to. Okay, yeah, I, I know, I know. Well, <clears throat> with everything going on and everything starting to go, you know, it's time uh, that the snow's fallen, and that means hockey is kind of getting rolling. So let's see what's in the news today with the Hockey Digest. An all-Ohio goaltending tandem has been backstopping the Wooster Oilers in their return to the ice in the United States Premier Hockey League this season. Greater Cleveland High School Hockey League veterans Luke Bell from Strongsville High School and Rob Holden from Lakewood High School have combined combined for a impressive 479 saves through the team's first 12 games. Holden, 18, has played high-level hockey before, but has still faced an adjustment to the speed of the junior game in his first season in the U.S. PHL. Not been too bad. I mean, coming from Team Ohio. Um... You know, obviously that's a pretty high level. So the jump hasn't been, you know, it hasn't been like too drastic. I mean, more than anything, it's a it's a change of, just like change of pace. I mean, guys, you know, think the game better, you know, do things faster. Um, shots are a little bit harder. So, I mean, other than that, it hasn't really been like, it hasn't been too big. But, I mean, there definitely has been, you know, an adjustment to make. Bell, 19, got into 13 U.S. PHL games for the Columbus Mavericks last season. So he had a better idea of what to expect with the expansion team in Wooster. Pretty much the, like, it's pretty similar, um, but in terms of, like, like young guys. And, uh, so, like, having that experience helps a lot for sure. Like, being more comfortable in games, knowing you're going to get a lot of shots. you got to stop them for your game. Bell and Holden are just two of the 17 Ohioans on the Wooster roster and part of a healthy number of Ohio-born players who have been able to play Tier 3 junior hockey after high school with the expansion of the USPHL into Ohio, Pennsylvania, and Indiana in recent seasons. Oilers head coach Jordan Romer is pleased with the play of his goaltenders, and it has opened his eyes to the legitimacy of Ohio high school ranks as a source of talent for his club. The organization's goal is, is creating uh, and bringing back a, a Tier 3 junior team and kind of the, this area of Ohio that, that kids from Cleveland don't have to 
to move out of state to play tier three or, or anything like that. Um, that, that is kind of the goal, but yeah, I mean, I think just in, uh, coming back and, and kind of seeing what some of these Ohio high school kids have and, and what they can offer. I mean, it is, uh, um, a lot more pleasing and, and surprising than what I was expecting, um, before I, I took this job and, and got to see some of these guys come in and, and try out or in our lineup on game day. Staying in the USPHL, defenseman David Crandall has rejoined the Sylvania Northview Wildcats for his senior year. Crandall, who was first team all Northwest Hockey Conference and second team all Ohio last year, will no doubt be an impact player for the Wildcats. He was the top scoring defenseman for the Toledo Cherokee of the USPHL with 17 points through his first 14 games, and he will be eligible to rejoin the Cherokee once his high school season at Northview is complete. Up in Tier 1, Junior, the Youngstown Phantoms are finally scheduled to play their home opener this Friday, December 5th at 7.05 p.m. against the Muskingon Lumberjacks at the Cavelli Center in Youngstown. The Phantoms were scheduled to play their first 10 games of the season on the road, but have only managed to get three of those contests in due to the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic. I was on the website earlier today, and there was a limited number of tickets Head over to to www.youngstownphantoms.com if you want to see some great live hockey this weekend. The same two teams are scheduled to play Saturday night as well. We know that Bed Schoen and the rest of the Phantoms are chomping at the bit to play in front of their home fans, even if the reduced crowd, so fingers crossed, for Friday night. Miami Red Hawks will finally get their 2020-21 season underway this week in the pod in Omaha, Nebraska. Miami is scheduled to play 10 games in 19 days, beginning with the number one ranked University of North Dakota on Wednesday at 4.35. Miami will play two games each against North Dakota, number three, Minnesota Duluth, number four, Denver, Nebraska Omaha, and Colorado College before returning home for what will be a well-deserved holiday break. The Red Hawks will return to the ice after the first of the year with a more traditional home and travel schedule. So Scott, real quick, so they're not they're not going to go back to the pod situation after the new year, that's or the that's the plan. The plan is and, to have the pod to get some games in before Christmas, break for the holidays, and then hopefully have a traditional second half of the season. Was there talks if they if this thing is still running rapid that they'll go back into the pod? I'm sure that's something they would consider. I haven't seen that anywhere. But how would you like to start off with two games against the number one team in the country? two games against the number three team in the country and two more games against the number four team in the country. That, well, you'll, you'll know where you stand. Yeah. They're going to learn a lot about their team. Right. In the, in the next few weeks. And I'm fairly confident that coach Bergeron will let them know what he thinks of yeah. the, pl- of the play. Yeah. <laughs> that's a, that's a tough way to start out, especially yeah. if, you know, they're in a kind of a building phase there. Uh, but Hey, you know what? You win a couple of those games. That could be that could be huge for them. Really yeah, give them yeah. a lot of confidence and and in what they're doing there. So absolutely. The ECHL has gone to a split season schedule this year with some of the teams starting in December with a 72 game schedule, while the rest of the league will not get underway until January. Only one East Coast Hockey League team in the Ohio Hockey Digest coverage area, the Wheeling Nailers, are close to dropping the puck. Wheeling begins its 29th season at home against the Indy Fuel on Saturday, December 12th at 7.05. The Orlando Solar Bears make a two-game visit to Nail City on Friday, December 18th 
and Saturday, December 19th. The Cincinnati Cyclones, the Toledo Walleye, and the Fort Wayne Comets are part of the second cohort that will get started after the first of the year and will attempt to play a 62-game schedule. Toledo's much-anticipated Winterfest is already a casualty of COVID-19. This episode of the Ohio Hockey Digest on-air podcast is brought to you by Team Ohio. Time in the rink as a Team Ohio player is about more than competition. It's about seizing opportunities to grow as athletes, being a great teammate, and part of a community. Go to teamohio.com to learn more. This week's show is going to be a really, really interesting show as we have five members of the Ohio High School Athletic Association's high school leagues, uh, the commissioners coming on to join us. We had originally planned to do a big high school preview show this week, uh, but as we saw rinks closing and games getting canceled, we reconsidered and thought the best way we could add to this dialogue uh, would be to hear from the gentlemen who run these five high school hockey leagues in the state of Ohio. Uh, we're going to go around the state and get updates from, from different leagues and find out what rinks are closing, get an idea of the number of teams that have either opted out for the year or temporary quarantine due to positive COVID tests. With things changing as quickly as they are right now, we realize we may come up with more questions than answers, but we want to use this Ohio Hockey Digest platform to get as much information out there as we can. Please welcome to On Air Podcast, commissioners of the five leagues in the Ohio High School Athletic Association high school hockey conferences. From the Southwest Ohio Hockey League, Tony Morris. From the Capital Hockey Conference, Patrick Murphy. Representing the Great Lakes Hockey League, Sean Evans. From the Greater Cleveland High School Hockey League, Ryan Kelber. And from the Northwest Hockey Conference, Mark Rasmus. Gentlemen, thank you for joining us tonight and kind of giving our listeners uh, the lowdown as of what we know about your leagues, your teams uh, in the leagues, your rinks in your leagues um, as of today. We all know it changes every single hour. Uh, I'm sure all of us uh, on the Zoom have been chasing our tails left and right to try to get games scheduled, rinks scheduled, all that stuff. So um, I think I'm going to start just with – uh, we're going to go around the table. I'm going to start with Pat Murphy and Pat, can you just talk to us about, uh, in your uh, area, has there been any teams that have opted to, to shut down and are there any rinks that have closed down in your area? Um, I would tell you that I, I don't think there's any teams that have opted, uh, to shut down. I think, um, from what I've seen thus far, uh, it's the school district that uh, decides whether the sports get to play or not. Um, and of course, it's not just ice hockey. It's, it's any of the winter sports that are, are hoping to, you know, play games and, and participate. Um, you know, as, as you probably know, most of the club sports, uh, particularly club ice hockey, those teams are all playing. Um, I don't know any club teams that have been shut down, but, uh, you know, Dublin city schools has, has shut down, um, the three, uh, varsity teams and, and the one JV team that are sanctioned through Dublin city schools, uh, through, um, December 18th. So we're allowed to practice, but, uh, we can't play any scrimmages or games against anybody else. Um, all right. So Pat, so, and, and you're right. I, you know, 
I, I probably worded it wrong, but you're right. I, I know for a fact that teams would not and coaches would not opt out. So in your conference, uh, in the Capital Hockey Conference, what districts have kind of paused uh, hockey right now? Uh, I want to say, well, Dublin obviously is, is uh, on hold through December 18th. Um, the three Catholic schools that are in our league, Watterson, DeSales, and um, St. Charles, are uh, the diocese has closed them to uh, playing games through December 18th. And I want to say, I'm not positive, but I think uh, Upper Arlington, uh, Gahanna, and I think New Albany are the other teams that, uh, so that's nine out of 19 teams in our league right now that are, you know, unable to play games against other teams for the next three weeks. And in, in your area, has any uh, rinks closed down? No, the, the chiller ice rinks are up and running. Uh, you know, all, all of their facilities are, are um, fully functional right now with, you know, obviously various restrictions, but no facility is closed. You know, there's restrictions on how many, uh, how many people can come and watch and, you know, you got to wear masks in and out of the building and, you know, you got to stay socially distanced just like everywhere else, but no, the chiller ice rink is open. Uh, all their rinks in Columbus are, are fully functional. The, the league schedule was suspended for a few weeks, wasn't it? The capital yeah. hockey conference. Yeah. Our league suspended play through tonight. Um, there it's it you know it's to be reevaluated i think probably in the next day or two i would think that you know based on my conversations with bruce mcclary who's our league commissioner that the league will will uh, facilitate the teams that are allowed to play and you know obviously make exceptions for the teams that aren't allowed to play right now but at least some teams will be able to play league games um you know over the next three weeks and do you know if the, the uh, plan is to make up those league games that were missed the last few weeks, or is that uh, you get to do the standings by points percentage versus total points, or has, has that been discussed at all? No, not yet. I mean, obviously, we, we you would think that the league would want to make up as many games as they possibly can um, and, and try to balance the number of games that each team plays. Uh, I don't know if that's going to be possible or not, but you guys know um, this is this has been a day by day, week by week situation, and you know we've got some quality people running our league, and um, I think they'll make make decisions accordingly uh, to do the best for each school and each team that are that are in the Capital Hockey Conference. So, M Marcus, thank you, thank you, Pat. Uh, Marcus, let's get to you in the Northwest Hockey Conference. Uh, I'm going to ask the similar questions: Is if you had any districts uh, or, you know, and I'll let you talk about the county, but have you had any districts uh, shut uh, teams down uh, or have rinks uh, shut down? And, and again, I'd like to hear your your thoughts on, on the news that came out this weekend. Yeah, so um, <clears throat> as far as the, the rinks shutting down is probably the easiest question out of all that. N none of the 
rinks have closed. The majority of our teams play at Tamashaner in Sylvania, uh, Bowling Green, um, or the Ice House in Toledo. And all three of those rinks are still open. Um, obviously, just like Pat said, there's, you know, restrictions in place. And um, they're, from my perspective, they're doing a great job just trying to keep the building open and make it an option for kids. Um, as far as um, we've not, and if you would ask me this question an hour ago, I would have said that we don't have any teams that have opted out as of today. We have 14 in our two divisions. Um, but I, while I was logging on, I got a text that it sounds like uh, Sylvania Southview and Northview um, are going to pause for for some time. Um, and that's, I don't even, I don't know more than a text that I just got. So right. um, I don't know that that's reality or not yet, but, um, but yeah, so all of our teams are, are pretty much playing. Um, the, the one tricky thing that we are dealing with is Lucas County, which most of our teams reside in Lucas County has, um, they have closed all uh, seventh through senior or 12th grade, I guess. Um, so those schools are all virtual and it's not up to the, the school district to decide. They've also said that there can be no athletic um, events on campus, um, which it puts hockey in an interesting position, obviously, because none of our teams play on their school, school grounds. Um, so our teams are all moving forward. We've had two games that we've had to reschedule because a part of that county um, order is there's a um, there's a 10 o'clock curfew that's in place now. So um, just given the limited ice time that we have in Toledo, you know, we often have games that start at 9 30, 10 o'clock. So we've had to reschedule a couple of those games. Um, and then obviously we've had teams that are rescheduling games because they're in quarantine or um, for one reason or another. Um, interestingly enough, um, St. Francis was supposed to play a team from Michigan this weekend. Michigan has paused all hockey at all levels. And um, so they were supposed to play a team from Michigan. St. John's was supposed to play, I can't even tell you who, that game, both of their games got canceled they were supposed to play later this year at fifth third field as a part of the winter fest, which has now been canceled because of the ECHL season starting late. So they've actually scheduled a game for this weekend. So, um, it, I mean, it's just like Pat said, it, this changes by the day. Um, and, you know, we, we've been really taking the, the lead from the schools and we've given them all the opportunity to opt out if they want to. Um, so anyway, that county ordinance is in place until January 11th. So, um, you know, we're just kind of like everybody else, so taking it day by day and see where things see where things go. So Mark, Mark, let me let me, ask this, let me ask you this question: Like with that county ordinance, because we we have that here in Cuyahoga County as well, a, a 10 p.m. curfew. But we also got directive that if your if your practice or games run over that, the directive is just to go straight home, right? So it's not. It's not like at, at 9.59, you got to be in your house, right? Yeah. So, um, so I understand the, 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 um, the curfew. Uh, it, is it just the rinks decision? 
Is it the school's decision that says, hey, at 9.30, just too late or 9 o'clock is too late? How does that work? Yeah, it, and actually, this was all driven by Tam O'Shanner, really. And they said that, you know, they want to, they're doing everything that they can to comply with the county um, so that the county doesn't shut Tam O'Shanner down. Um, so I think they did it, and I don't know this for a fact, but my assumption is that they did it just to comply with the county, be able to get all their employees out of the building by 10 o'clock and just so that there's no, I guess, no questions. Yeah, I, yeah, I got that. And I, I said in, in the beginning of the show, I was up there this weekend for the tournament and um, the, the, the job that uh, Northview and uh, the Tam O'Shanner did was an amazing uh, job uh, making sure everybody was spaced out, distance. Uh, it was it was just unbelievable. And I said in the beginning of the show, I wish Lucas County Board of Health was there to watch it because they wouldn't question it again. You know, yeah. so. Yeah, and I, I'm coach, I've coached my daughter's team, and, and so we're, we're there two or three nights a week. And, and at first, it was sort of like everyone was complained about, you know, all the different things you have to do. And just all, you know, it's not like just going to the rink like we're all used to. And, but they, to me, have done an amazing job. And in my conversations with Mike Mankowski at Tamo, he, he says the health department is doing everything they can to not shut them down. Good. And so they've just been really good working with the health department, doing all the right things. And so I give them a ton of credit. Um, and I can't speak for Bowling Green and the Ice House as much because I'm just not there as often. But, but I know everyone's doing everything they can to try to stay open. Well, Marcus, thank you for your update from the Northwest Hockey Conference. Now, I'm going to go to uh, either the Greater Cleveland High School Hockey League or the Great Lakes Hockey League. They went to high school together, so whoever graduated, whoever's the oldest gets to go first. Raise your hand. ISGPA. Okay, so we're going to go with the Great Lakes Hockey League. Uh, represent, representing uh, the Great Lakes Hockey League is Sean Evans. So, Sean, can you give us an up, update on the Great Lakes Hockey League uh, is there any school districts that have opted to pause and or uh, not play? And uh, what about the rinks in our area? Yeah, um, you know, like the other commissioners have said, there's, this is an ongoing thing, um, receiving information every day regarding rink closures, um, scheduling games, you know, day by day. Uh, for right now, the school district uh, that affects us inside of our league is uh, Shaker Heights. Um, I've been on the phone with uh, Matt Bartley. And from what our knowledge is, it's, it's not until the first of the year that all winter sports in Shaker Heights uh, have been uh, put on pause. So that is, you know, that's obviously causing uh, some effect within the league for uh, league games and so far. Um, in terms of the ranks, um, there's been a number of closures, and I know Ryan will speak upon this as well because it's, it's affecting his teams as well. Uh, Euclid, Cleveland Heights, uh, Menor, Shaker, a number of teams that are uh, ranks run by the city have been um, shut down for the, for the uh, time being. Uh, the one that really affected us the most was Cleveland Heights. That's where university is playing out of. Um, and there, oh, and another one, Kent State. Another big rink that got shut down. Uh, Walsh Jesuit, uh, Kent Roosevelt. You know, these are all rinks that are going to affect us greatly. Uh, and 
those teams that are, you know, being uh, affected directly. You know, I know Walsh is trying to get games at OBM in Strongsville. Um, and they're looking for ice. Uh, University uh, is looking at the pond. And I know they have a game scheduled this Sunday out at Rocky River. Um, the, uh, the opponent is yet to be determined, but uh, they do have ice slated for Sunday. Yeah, 5.30 at Rocky River. Oh, is that for St. Ned's? Oh. Well, it, it, it was discussed because we got canceled on this weekend as well. So he just right. called me tonight. That's how I knew he's playing at Rocky River. But you're right. University School is playing at Winterhurst and Rocky River. I was at practice the other day, and Kent Roosevelt walked into Winterhurst, which is a 45, 50-minute drive. Right. You know, so uh, – and this – I guess what, what – and this is something we're going to talk about as a group uh, later, and I just want you guys to think about this as we're talking about this. We can't – we're shutting rinks down at a rapid pace here in Cleveland. At a rapid place, uh, pace, but yet it's okay to bus kids on an enclosed bus 50 minutes to take them to a rink that's open, you know? And so let's not talk about, but I want you to think about that and, and the rationale behind all that. Um, so that's the update from the Great Lakes Hockey League. Um, now we go to uh, Ryan Kelber, commissioner of the Greater Cleveland High School Hockey League. Uh, Ryan, you deal with 42 teams? 34. 34. Okay. It was once at 42, I think, right? It was. Okay. So, 34. 34 teams. Can you give us an update on what's going on sure. in your league? And first off, this is just great that we're on here together talking hockey. It stinks at what we're talking about, but the whole concept of having all these leagues on here is, is pretty exciting to me because we all know high school hockey doesn't get enough credit and enough media attention. So this is just cool. I'm excited to be on here with, with all these leagues and all that. Unfortunately, it stinks that we're talking about this, but uh, yeah, going back to our like 34 schools. And as of tonight, we have 15 schools that are paused right now. And when I mean pause, I mean that their athletic department has stopped all their sports. So some of them are paused just until December 7th. Some are December 17th. And then there's others into January. So we have that. Um, like Sean mentioned, we're going through some rinks that are shut down. And one of them is Menor. Menor rink is closed, I think, through the rest of the new year or through the rest of this year. Um, you know, Sean mentioned Euclid. Kent State really threw us off because I think we have two or three teams playing out of there. Um, so we're, we're scrambling right now. We really are. And, you know, we had a good meeting on Tuesday last week with the athletic directors. And I even met with the coaches and we had a good kind of I almost want to say heart to heart and, and a good feel on what, what we're going to do this year. And the last thing the league wanted to do was say, all right, we're not playing league games. So what we thought of is instead said, you know what, you know, having, I make the schedule. I'm one of the, the creators of the schedule and it's hard with, with ice times alone. It's going to be tough to make up these games when these teams are missing entire months of December. It's just not possible. So when we go to the, our end of the year tournament, our Baron cup, you know, we're going to have some teams with four league games, some with 10 league games, some with, you know, eight. It's just going to be a mess and, and too unbalanced. So we decided we're just not going to have a league standings this year. It's going to be the first time we're not going to have a, a red division winner or a white north and a white south division winner. Now, with that being said, you know, come Baron Cup time, usually it was the top eight in each each division that made it. Well, we're opening it up to all, all 30, all 34 teams here. So if, if every team wants to get in, we're kind of doing what the OHSA did with football. Uh, we're going to allow everybody in and um, 
you know, we're going to go from 21 games to 31 games. So let's hope we don't get any more rink shutdowns, but I've coordinated with Brooklyn ice rink. They're going to work with us. We're going to start the bear cup a little bit earlier and we're going to allow everybody in. So it's on one note, it's kind of interesting because it's our 50th anniversary. So it's cool to have every team in it. Um, but you know, that wasn't the plan, but we're, we're, we're working around um, the pauses and what we need to do here. And hopefully, you know, everybody plays their role in this and, and we can keep it going here. I know some rinks are doing a good job. Brooklyn's actually streaming uh, their games. They're going to be doing that from all their rinks. So that'll be a cool thing. And we're going to look to stream all of our Baron Cup games. And all that. But it, it's an adjustment here. And I feel bad. You know, there's some coaches that really said, uh, you know, we want to play for that division title. And all that. But in the bigger scheme of things, you know, just just playing games right now is is important. So I said, hey, keep your league schedule if you can. Play what's scheduled. Um, add more games if you can, you know, and if you need to cancel, you can cancel and all that. So it, it's been a hectic, hectic couple of weeks here. And, and I'm afraid actually what's going to happen here the next couple of weeks. But if we can get by this month here, I think hopefully we've got better times in January and February. Uh, I, and thanks, Ryan. I appreciate the update. And, and um, you know, it is kind of a, it, it is kind of a, as you were talking about everyone making the Baron cup, that is, I mean, if, if we need to, what we need to start doing is spending positives, uh, into uh, into light today, and and the positive is is everybody in the league, if they opt to, they get to they get to play in the 50th anniversary of the Baron Cup. So you know that kudos to you and, and your team for coming up with that plan uh, to do that. All right, Tony. So I just need you to answer: Are there individual teams in your league that have not teams, but school districts or schools that have opted not to play um, at Senate. all this season, or just? Um, for a pause and are there any rinks in your area that are currently closed? Yeah. So in, in the Dayton Cincinnati area right now, we don't have any closings of rinks. Um, we do have, you know, different measures that each rink is taking, which is kind of a, you know, hassle to go through, you know, the chiller rinks, they have a 15 minute entry point where you can enter the rink 15 minutes before um, you come to Dayton. There's uh, no rules there. Kettering is very strict on what they have. When I say Dayton South Metro, there's not a lot of rules there besides wearing a mask. Um, you go to Cincinnati and it's pretty loose down there, just as long as you're wearing a mask. Norlands did have a sign in and I believe Goggin has gone back and forth between allowing people to, to come in and watch her and having one person per player uh, there in that huge arena to watch him play. And, uh, you know, for your, the, the teams, you know, you, you, you mentioned a few that, that have uh, opted out or, you know, or is it just Centerville? And they opted out for the whole year, right? Yeah, and Centerville, they had trouble with numbers. So the COVID partially affected that. Um, and then they lost a couple players to the, the travel team around here. And so they just got their numbers too low between not knowing what they were going to do. Were, were they going to have allow them to play as a team? So these kids said, well, the you know travel team will be allowed to play, so we might want to go over there. That was really the draw from the COVID. Uh, Alter just took a two-week break, and I'm pretty sure that was just something that they went through. Um, and then Talawanda is going through a little two-week break currently because um, they had some uh, COVID cases dealt with down there. But nobody has canceled their season quite yet, um, and we haven't really started our league play, which is a lot different. We only have six teams this year, so – they, we still think they'll be able to get their games in if things get better. Gotcha. I guess my, I'm going to open up the question to the rest of the guys. 
have you guys altered any of your uh, leagues? Like, like, like the the Great Cleveland High School Hockey League. There's going to be no standings, or, or are you guys still running as normal as operated? Marcus. Yeah. Um, so we are um, sort of operating as normal, but what we've said to our teams is that um, you know there may come a time where we 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 use points you know, just like everybody else. And there may be, you know, there may be a time where it's just not possible for teams to make up games. And at that point, we're going to use, we'll use winning percentage um, or, which I thought was a reasonable idea, but then someone brought up today, you know, what if one team plays four games and they play the, you know, they play the two worst teams, they win four and somebody plays everybody and, you know, loses one game, you're, you're not going to, you know, so we've sort of just said, let's get further down the road. We may use winning percentage, but let's, let's try to just see where this goes. Um, and maybe as we get closer to the end of the year, we'll make a, a real decision as to what we do. We, unlike the Cleveland, we don't have a Baron cup or, or a comparable uh, tournament at the end of the year. So, um, you know, we're just really playing for a, a league championship, which is meaningful to the teams, but it doesn't impact a, a year-end tournament like you guys have in Cleveland. I wish we did, but maybe for this year, it's a better thing not to have it. Right. And and Pat uh, from Capital Hockey Conference, you guys have the Capital Cup, right? Yeah, we call it the, the Blue Jackets Cup. So oh, Blue Jack- okay. yeah, there's, there's an upper and lower division in, in the Blue Jackets Cup. Our, our, league is um structured similar to um the league in cleveland where you have a you know it's called the red division which is that's the top quote unquote six teams the white division is you know uh, the middle six teams and the blue division are the weaker uh less experienced teams but uh we we have like the top 10 teams um play for the the Blue Jack Blue Jackets Cup, and then the the lower teams play what they call the Consolation Blue Jackets Cup. So there is a league playoff that actually splits the league into two. Um, you know, the top I think it must be the top eight and the lower eleven. So so is is that still it's still going to go as planned? I mean, you haven't. I mean, hopefully, but but you haven't heard of any uh, uh you know alter you know how to, they're going to alter it. At this point, no. We last week, the Capital Hockey Conference, you know, suspended all league activity through no, uh, November thirtieth. So, uh, I would think that's to be reevaluated tomorrow and determine, you know, what league games can be played this coming weekend, based on what teams are available to play, and you know, in a, in three weeks when you know, most of the school districts that have whatever suspended play through December 18th, we have to wait for the school districts to decide, will they allow their ice hockey teams to play games or not? So I would tell you no decision has been made at this point. It's interesting. Everybody has kind of a different challenge. So in the Capital Hockey Conference, everybody's going to play in a postseason tournament, but you're going to have to decide who those determine who those top eight are and that's where you're going to get into a situation where if games have been canceled 
uh, teams are going to be uh, debating over what's the fairest way to figure those top eight. It might not be straight points. Right. Right. Uh, well, and, and go ahead, Pat. I would just say like under normal circumstances, my two teams at Dublin Jerome would have already played, you know, their four preseason the scrimmage games and uh, you know, in a, in a, in a non-league tournament over Thanksgiving, none of my teams have played any games at this point. We've played zero games um, and we're not playing any games for the next three weeks. So we're going to go into Christmas break having played zero hockey games. Uh, and hopefully, you know, after the 18th, we'll be able to hopefully compete against somebody. Right. Sean, uh, from the Great Lakes Hockey League, um, can you give us an update on the tournament or how you're going to uh, run that? Yeah, so the uh, Cleveland Cup, uh, the way we've done in the past, uh, all seven teams do make the uh, Cleveland Cup. So uh, unlike Ryan, uh, you know, with uh, not every team making it, you know, and now, you know, continuing with our tradition that every team makes it, you know, which is a good thing for the kids. Um, in terms of the ranking for the Cleveland Cup, we're going to attempt to do the points. Um, if that's, if that works um, with the COVID situation and, you know, if teams have to, you know, cancel games or whatever you may have, you know, we're going to use the uh, winning percentage in order to seed uh, for the Cleveland Cup. So uh, just like all the other guys have said, this is a, you know, it's a nightmare in terms of scheduling and, and trying to get things moving in the right direction and trying to give our kids, you know, just another opportunity to have fun and play, play this sport. Gotcha. Hey, 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 Tim, when you were, I'm sorry to interrupt here for our Baron cup too, with the 31 teams and I'm glad Sean brought it up. What we're going to do for seating at the end is kind of, again, how we do the sectional and district seating for hockey. It's going to be one of those draws where every team's going to be able to vote. So we'll be able to do it. We're still separating red, blue, but those coaches will be able to vote on, uh, you know, one through whatever seat it is, one through six, you know, in the, in the blue it's 16. So one through 16 and all that. So we'll be voting uh, via that way. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, Tony Morris from the Southwest Ohio High School uh, League. What is your league doing for the end of the year tournament or championship if you guys have one? Yeah, so right now um, we we actually went down to six teams this year. Originally we had uh, eight and then we had Tawanda pull out and went independent and then was followed up by Centerville with some COVID issues, unable to fill a team. Uh, so we're down to six teams. So the, the plan would be right now is to have all six teams play. Um, but we do know that Alter just had to go through a two-week quarantine I'm not I think it was a school driven thing just for take a couple of weeks off before you do something um, we haven't seen any other schools do that quite yet um, so with this Thanksgiving weekend we had probably half the teams play um, but we also know that there's been some issues with some other programs I think Talawanda's had some issues with COVID numbers um, they weren't able to host their tournament this weekend uh, several of the other Cleveland teams that normally play in it were unable to come down with some COVID issues and Taiwan themselves had some issues. So right now our plan is just six teams to roll roll as it is if we make it that far. So Yeah, right. So I'm going to open uh, it up to the group, um, and, you know, I can kind of just go around 
uh, the horn here and, and pre- pretty much it, it, I'm going to let you guys jump in when you guys want to here with this next question. And, and it's okay. I mean, this is a total amateur podcast, so it's okay to talk over each other and, and we'll get, you know, the loudest voice will actually get to be heard, I guess. Um, I, I guess my question to you guys uh, from the leagues in Ohio or the conferences in Ohio, what, what, like, what do you, what's the topics that you guys as commissioners or representatives really want to talk to the state of Ohio about? Like what topics are, are thriving out there right now as commissioners of these leagues? Uh, I'll go first. I would say if I had that opportunity to talk to the, you know, the OHSAA, it's to increase uh, game opportunity for our t- uh, for our teams. Um, you know, in surrounding states, there are a lot of dual roster with a, uh, a AAA program and a high school team. Uh, that would be my first uh, question to them or conversation I'd like to have with them uh, regarding play, play, playing a total devil, devil's advocate here. Do you think that would take away from the legitimacy of the high school game? Meaning like, like in Columbus, Toledo, Cincinnati, Cleveland, if we're going to follow, if you're going to follow that, you could easily do it. But now the high school league would have to be a weekday league. It'd have to go Monday through yeah. Thursday because the clubs travel on the weekends. And what does that do for the Ohio High School Athletic Association? I, I mean, I, I don't have the answer to that. Uh, maybe some of the other gentlemen can jump in, but it, you couldn't do it on – you couldn't do – because, like, I mean, let's use volleyball. And I, I can say that because I've had two girls that go through volleyball. Volleyball doesn't compete with their club sport. Volleyball is a fall high school sport and then a winter club sport. Basketball is a fall and spring club sport but a winter high school sport. We're the only sport that is high school and club simultaneous. So if we do that, we would have to then say, all right, well, we surely know the club league is not going to go a weekday league because all they do is travel. So we would have to go a Monday through Thursday league and then move on the, on the weekends. Right. Yeah, no, that's a great point. I, um, you know, that's why they had me host it, Sean. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. That's right. The, the, the volleyball, you know, you know, the, the JU or in the high school, you're absolutely right. Like, I, I don't know how you would do that. Um, because those clubs, the club teams, you know, your AAA club teams wouldn't go like pre-post either. You're right about that. You know, you, you have pre-post, but would they, you know, for instance, the Barons, would they go, you know, September, October, November, and then at the end of the year, that's not going to happen. You know, so that's a great point, Tim. I uh, I don't have an answer for that. Yeah. So I mean, I, I I I hear what you're saying, and I agree that more game opportunities. So maybe what we suggest, and and maybe uh, you know, let me hear from some of the other guys is instead of 35 games, maybe we bump it up to 40 games. But still, I still think, and and we've got coaches that have are either currently coaching or have coached at the high school level, 35 games plus a possible seven games in the state tournament. That's a lot of games between pretty much December 1st and March. Right. So, uh, you know, Marcus, what, what's your, what, like, what's on, on 
your mind as a commissioner of a league when it comes to the betterment of high school hockey throughout the state? Yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, that Sean's conversation about the competing with the, the travel team is, is one that we fight in Toledo just because of the, the sheer size of the pool of players. Um, and you have to deal with Detroit. Yeah, right. Exactly. I mean, a, a lot of the best players in Toledo are, are going to Detroit to play AAA. Um, and, and Tam O'Shanner has, or Sylvania has their own AAA program and the ice house has a AAA program at some age level. So, I mean, we're, we're competing for players and it's put a strain on our teams because they just don't have enough numbers. Um, so I, I mean, I think my, if I was going to, I mean, I don't know what the answer is to that. I, I think having standalone high school teams is part of what makes high school hockey what it is. Um, and I think if you, if you start, you know, kids are playing on one team on the weekend and another team during the week, I just, I don't know. I, that concept never has made a lot of sense to me, although I haven't thought through it as much, I guess. Um, but I mean, I think, you know, something that I feel like if we, if I had a chance to talk to the OHSA, I would. I think I would want to talk about the the final four and the end of the year, you know, and what that looks like. And, um, and, you know, it's great, I think, to play at nationwide arena, but I think they somehow sometimes treat the high school game as a, you know, an afterthought. And for the kids, it's, you know, it's probably the best moment of their, you know, high school athletic career and to have to play a game at 10 o'clock in the morning, you know, it's just, it doesn't seem, like it gets the the attention that it deserves. Um, and I think there's places that would love to have it. And, you know, like in Toledo, we have a great 8,000 square or 8,000 seat arena that to me, you could probably come darn close to filling. Um, and it, the atmosphere would be totally different. And, and I get that playing in an NHL arena is there's something to be said for that, but um, you know, I've, been there as a coach a couple of different times and it just, it, it it's bizarre, I guess. It's yep. the only way to put it. Um, you know, we played in the state championship game and halfway through the game, we had to switch locker rooms, you know, like that's, you shouldn't treat kids like that at that point in the season. And um, so that would be my topic, I guess. I got you. Hey, Ryan, uh, you run the largest high school hockey league in the state of Ohio. Um, and I want other people to jump in on this as well, but give me your thoughts. And, and again, I open this up to the panel, but give me your thoughts on uh, a two division, uh, Ohio high school state championship. You know what? We, we brought up two good topics here and I'm going to answer your question, but I'm hundred percent with Marcus on the whole state title thing. Like it's one thing if you're going to have it there, but if you're going to have it there, like do it the right way instead of what's been going on. And then I know at least two of the guys on here, Tim and Sean have played it in a big game where they've had Brooklyn fill to its capacity and it's a whole different atmosphere and, and getting a, like Marcus said, a maybe a six or 7,000 uh, capacity place would be incredible and all that. So if you're not going to do it the right way down in Columbus, then that's something that definitely needs a change. Now, I'm sorry, Tim, going back. No, to, but, but to right, but right. I, I don't mean to interrupt, but I agree. All of yeah. us on this zoom right now, or this podcast, we've been in arenas 
although not pro arenas, for high school games that are bursting at the seams with people. And the atmosphere is unbelievably, it's thick, it's fun. Maybe not for a coach if you're losing, but it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a great atmosphere. And then you go into the nationwide for a state championship game and it's like deflated. Yeah. It's deflated. After the initial walkthrough, that's it for the kids. I think they, they'd rather have that running out and having players right next to you as you run out to the ice and they're screaming and yelling in student sections and all that. Yeah. It, that's something that needs to get looked at. And every year I hear that they're looking at it, they're looking at it. And then, I seem to see every year too how the, the dates change, whether Bon Jovi's in town or somebody else is in town yep. and you know things are changing and it gets frustrating. Again, if I go back to the beginning, it seems like sometimes hockey's gets pushed to the side there. You know that wouldn't happen with, with basketball or, or football or anything else. And that can be frustrating. So yeah. Uh, seems like one oh, sorry, I was go gonna say it just it seems like one of those ideas that it was probably great on paper. Yeah. You know, it's a fantastic facility, unbelievable facility. But when you put what's a good crowd for a high school hockey game, a really good crowd for a high school hockey game, but you put it in a 20,000 seat arena. <laughs> Not happening. Know, it, yeah. And I get it was no. probably put in with the idea of building up the Blue Jackets on that. But I think the Blue Jackets have made their mark now that we don't like uh, high school, three high school hockey games there isn't going to increase the, uh, <laughs> the fandom of the Blue Jackets anymore. So. Yeah, Ryan, I, I totally 100% agree with you. If you're going to do it, do it right. Um, you know, I've had an opportunity and a, a grateful opportunity of coaching at a state championship game at Brooklyn in 2001, and then also coaching two state championship games uh, in 06 and 07 at Nationwide. And like we all agree, it's a totally different environment. Um, you know, and, and, and at the end of the day, it's about the kids you know, and their experience and what they get to get to experience and, you know, build that bond with their buddies moving forward in their lives. You know? yeah. and that'd be a huge, that'd be a huge um, a plus in my book. If we were able to get it down to even four districts, each district hold their own, you know, rotate the state championships, you know, Toledo, Cleveland, uh, Columbus, and then, you know, in the Cincinnati area, uh, there's all venues that could definitely hold them and, you know, to make that, that environment that much better for the kids. Well, I'll, I'll give you guys uh, not, I mean, in, in a minute we'll talk and, and I don't want to keep you guys on here too long, but I'll give you a, a, a kind of a scenario that a couple of us have come up with when it comes to that, because, um, you know, and I want to hear from Pat Murphy and I want to hear from Tony on you guys got some really good teams in your districts. You know, Marcus, you got really good teams in your districts. So I want to, I, I, I think, and Ryan, I want you to go back to the two division question in a minute, but this is all, this is on part of it. I, I want you guys to, to, you know, I guess answer me this. Do we really get the best final four teams in the, in the state tournament every year? It always seems like you have, the, the, the best two, like if you've got one and two coming out of Columbus or one and two coming out of Toledo or one and two coming out of Brooklyn or one and two coming out of uh, Kent, they always got to beat each other to get there. And, and an easy way to do that is to take your top four seeds in the state and put them in separate districts. And you can do that easily 
by saying, okay, if you're the number one seed team in the state and you could go off of percentages or whatever, you get to choose your district. Number two team, you get to choose your district. Number three, you choose your district. And number four, you choose your district. And I, I don't know this, but I went through the last four or five years and you would probably have each team like one, two, three, or four in their home district. So I did it. La I did it last year. And, and if the top uh, from the top four teams, there would be one team that would not be in their home district, and they would be in a in a, a, a like a, a like I would say just say a Toledo district, right? And they would then that you would have to play its weekend games, and you could do that when you start doing the schedule that I'll share with you guys. But we, I think we have to get to a point to where if, if you have a, you can't have the top three teams in a district. And I see this, I see this all the time. And it's, and, and Marcus, I'll use your district as an example. I'll use my district. There's been years where you got Johns, Francis, and Northview that easily are the top three or four teams in the state. And they yeah. should end up in Columbus at some point to really go for a, a final four. And if they don't get out of their respective district, that's okay. Yeah, and the, the the other, I've thought about this a lot because obviously the, there's no secret to the numbers in Toledo are, you know, a fraction of what you guys have in your district. But I've but you make a good point. Like sometimes the top two or three teams in in Toledo are as good as anybody. Um, but I've always thought is instead of getting to four teams to the you know to Columbus. Maybe you get eight, the you know two teams from each district, and then you reseed them at that point, and you play off from there, um, and that way you get a better sample of you know the. You, it's easier to pick the top eight teams, you know. That, and that's that's a, that's a great idea, but again, if we're in this ten-year contract with the Blue Jackets, and we they only give us so many slots at 10 a.m how are they going to accommodate another eight teams right so ryan i'm going to go back to you on this since you run the the largest uh, uh league in the state of ohio would you like to see the state go to two divisions uh, i would uh, and i and i think um i think we're at that point now where it has to be you know, taken seriously now the tough part about doing that is is how you divvy it up I mean, you can look at numbers, you can look at, you know, we have competitive balance, you know, as an AD here, I know I have to put that in there. And you'll still have small private schools that are in D1 or D2 when they have the same amount of kids as a, a D6, you know, in football. But because they have, you know, 13 people from out of their residence, their competitive balance numbers goes up. So as much as I would think, yes, you know, I, I think it is time we do need it to, you know, that, that formula and how we divvy up those two divisions that can get really tricky there. And, and I don't think doing it the competitive balance way that the state is doing it right now would work in that favor. Um, so again, right, can, I, can I throw, can I throw this at you? Sure. Okay. And I want to throw this at Tony and Pat and, 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 you know, like for instance, Pat, you, I mean, you got Jerome, you got UA, you got Charles, you got all these teams that probably could have, could have competed with the top three in the state over and over again but you got to go through the same uh, wormhole and, and they probably should, should have belonged in at least the state final four. So Ryan, to get to two divisions, 
if you, you know, if we kind of did it through, uh, you know, balance of schedule, you know, we did it mathematically, right, through the entire state. Yeah. And you took your top 16 teams, and that changes every year. It's not, oh, you're in this division one or you're in this division two, but it changes every year based on the percentages of how you're doing. And you take the top 16 teams and you say, okay, you're competing for division one. And you do it the way that I just said it. The, the first, uh, the first team, they get to choose their, their district, second, their district, third their district, fourth, their district one and then 16 goes with one wherever it is. And it's all weekend games, right? And you kind of work your way through there. Two and 15 to go, go together, three and 14, yada, yada. You guys understand that process. Then from 17 down, you, we run it like the normal district. If you're, if, if, if it's 17 down and I'm, I'm, I'm St. Edward's high school and I'm number 17, that means I'm in the Brooklyn district and I go to the seating meetings and I seat because we run, I mean, I don't know how it is in, in Columbus or, or, or uh, Toledo, but in, in, or Kent, but we run it as we're running it on weekdays and weekends. And the way that I figured this out is you're actually cutting three games per district. So for instance, in the division one, you would have ultimately a quarter or a semifinal and a final. You would play one weekend, then the next weekend and 17 and down would play four games instead of a possible seven. And I think it gives more people opportunity. And what it also does is it gives, it gives more teams the opportunity because you're, you're allowing 17 through 82 to compete in their own district and possibly get out. And then that takes you to Marcus that take, that takes you. If we're allowed eight teams down there, you have the top 16, whatever you want to call it. And then the bottom. And now, now we we're giving opportunity for kids and let's call it what it is guys. And I hate to be this, this guy, but I mean, I, I coached a, a, a team that's, that was a beginning team. And I knew I had, I knew I had one game in the state tournament. <laughs> like the, the kids, the kids that's where we're going to go here today. We're going to get beat. It's going to be over. Well, I, w- I would say this. I, I know that I've been on the advisory committee at OHSAA for several years, and this has been a topic of discussion um, for probably the last three or four years is how could we possibly divide and have two state championships, a division one and a, a division two state championship. And the one thing that that's encouraging is these are all great ideas that, you know, should be passed along. Um, the good news is we have a new a guy at OHSAA. His name's Ronald Sayers, who. He's doing a great job. Pat. He's he, doing a great job. He's, he's great. He, he, I mean, he actually calls you back when you leave him a message, <laughs> you know, he'll send you an email. You know what I mean? Like he's, I, I wouldn't say he's a hockey guy, but he's a really good administrator and he listens and he responds and he's thoughtful and he knows the bylaws of OHSAA. Um, so I think certainly this discussion about having two divisions is, uh, has been had many times. How OHSAA could possibly change their bylaws to um, allow hockey to do this is the big question mark right now. Um, 
from what Ron said the last time we discussed it, you know, OHSAA isn't going to change their bylaws for one sport. Um, how you divide into different divisions is, is part of the issue. And I don't think it's a dead topic, but I think, I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon. And, and I, I agree. Cause Pat, I've been on those last two calls yeah. that we've had, yeah. Yeah. but what, what I, I would, I would argue is that we're, we are, and I shouldn't say we are because you know we've lacrosse has joined and field hockey has joined. And I, I just, but I believe and correct me if I'm wrong, we are truly one of the, if not the only major sport that you have one true state championship. You have one division. Yeah. No, and, I think that's a, a product of there's only 80, roughly 80 varsity hockey teams. No, and that is right. I mean, because yeah. they have, they have in their bylaws, there's that number, right? You got to yeah. have a number to yeah. split, right? I get that. But there, there, there is, there is a, and I think all of us on this, uh, podcast can agree there is a, a a a fine line between a number that is written in a bylaw and providing opportunities for student athletes to you know compete for a state championship i mean what would it what would it be like for all of our teams to go into a state tournament no matter what if you're in the blue division white division red division great lakes it doesn't matter to go into a state championship championship and they feel like they have an opportunity because I can tell you this and you guys know this not every team does that no I agree and at least they're listening now I would tell you that at least the people at OHSA are listening I'm not sure they're anywhere close to making a decision as to if when or how we can form two divisions and have two state championships but at least they're listening. And over the last, whatever it's been six or seven years, the last year and a half to two years, at least they listen. Right. Um, but well, change the, is coming slow. I think. The one thing that I heard was, well, you know, how can, how can we, it's a, it's a travel thing. Well, how can a Cleveland team be in the, in the district of uh, Toledo? Well, if you go to um, like regional final games, Cleveland teams are playing regional final basketball games in Bowling Green. So yeah, if that, you think that argument shouldn't work, especially right. this year, they went to super regionals. I mean, my, my the school I'm at, my volleyball team won their first round. Next thing you know, we're an hour and a half away, round two. So, and, and if there's any sport that you want to like, won't argue about traveling, I think it's it's ice hockey. <laughs> right. So that's why I think that's why I think if you take if you can take the top sixteen per whatever you do, it's strength of schedule, all this other stuff. If you take the top 16, you put them in the, in the four districts and they play only on weekends. You can still have your normal district tournament district set up just like everything else. And that's, again, I just wanted to bring that up to the panel. Um, and, and again, you're right, Pat. It's a, it's a discussion that has been going on for a long time. Don't know if we'll ever get a true answer for it. I hope we do. And I hope we do because it'll give a lot of kids an opportunity to feel that excitement into the state tournament and not just feel like it's going to be their last game. Yeah. And, you know? and Tim, this is one of the great things about the Baron cup the Baron cup is the state championship for pretty much 30, 31 of our 34 teams. Um, realistically, um, they know that they don't really have a great shot when it comes to the state tournament. So they play for that Baron cup and that Baron cup is one of the most important things. And, 
And again, two of you have won Baron Cups, I think, in, on, on here, I know. And, and it's a big deal and all that. But you're right. The two divisions, it, it has to get there. And as Pat said, they are listing. I, I've heard talks. And when Snag, Jerry Snodgrass was the commissioner, we'd bring up to him at different times. I would about it. And he said, yeah, we're right. We're working on things. But, you know, it's easier said than done. And it is that bylaw that, you know, they don't, the bylaws are the bylaws and they don't want to to rearrange it when, all right, well, bylaws are written to have order, but they're also should be in the best interest of our kids. So how do we make that both work there? And, you know, back in the day that there was, I have banners hanging up in my gym about coaches association considered you know, like state championship. So I'm not throwing this out there, but, you know, eventually we may get down a road if there's no change where some of these lower teams, former co the coach association runs a, a state tournament right there. And that's, that, that could happen. That's a good point. And the other That's thing is, I think kind of um, organically, I mean, it, it's such a monumental task just to get them to go to two divisions. I think you need three because it seems to me that they're just kind of naturally three tiers to you've got the top team. Like if you go to the 16 team format, like Sully uh, suggested, you're still going to have this, all the same teams playing in the division one uh, tournament. You're going to open it up to a lot of those middle-class teams, the white divi top white division teams to play for a, a division two tournament, which would be awesome. But there's still a, a, that blue division from Columbus, the blue division from Cleveland that is still, they're not going to have a shot at a division two championship either. Yeah. So I think down the road, eventually where they need to get to is to have three, but I guess you ask for what you think you can get first. <laughs> Well, Scott, we asked for three. Maybe we'll at least get two, right? <laughs> hey, yeah, that's another uh, yeah. Ryan, I like what you say about the coaches association. And I've been coaching at um, the school I work at for this is the 16th year. And I don't know, maybe this is the, the group of people that can help drive a statewide coaches association. And somehow we can get all of us together like other sports do and have a true coaches association in Ohio, uh, ice hockey. I, I, I would be all for that. I'm guessing that the people, you know, taking the time to do this tonight would be all for it too. So uh, I would be one of the people that could help drive it in Columbus. I know that for sure. Well, I vote Tony Morris to be the head of it since he showed up late. So. <laughs> <laughs> hey, so I just wanted to add a couple of things. Um, you know, we, we used to go up to Michigan in the summertime with our high school team to play in a tournament with other Michigan teams. And Elder eventually came and joined us up there. So it was just fun because we would actually take kids from other school districts with, with us to go up there and play. But the reason I bring that up is they had a model uh, in Michigan that was very different where they were allowed to have, you know, more than just 10 touches. They were allowed to have, a you know, basically like many summer season a mini fall season and then their true season was their winter season and then the springtime when that came around I think that was when their coach couldn't coach them but they could still be together as a team and have events just not with their head coach so I think that would be a model maybe we could look at maybe take pieces of that to kind of expand our games because I do think that's you lose a lot of these high-end kids especially in the Dayton area you know I'm only going to get to play 30 games 35 games I, I'm going to go somewhere else that, that's definitely something that I always thought was interesting that Michigan was doing um, where I think we could do something um, similar to that. And, and same thing on the divisions. Um, our big concern here in our, our district is just the lack of teams and the lack of players that we have 
in today's in hockey world in the Cincinnati Dayton area, the number continues to decline. Uh, and our programs are, you know, weaker by that. But the big thing that I see is, you know, we have a club hockey program, the Stealth here in Dayton, and they are restricted to an area where they can pull players in from their club organization. So there's kids that, when I was at Springboro, that would constantly call us and say, we want to join your program. But they were in Miamisburg or they were in Waynesville or they were in different school districts, so they couldn't join. Um, in Michigan, they have that model where it's a kind of a co-op between two or three schools in an area. I mean, you know, for take for example, in Columbus, the Hilliard, they, right? They have three Hilliard schools. They can form one team out of that district, really. Um, what would be wrong with that? Um, same would go for some of these, you know, like Waynesville, Lebanon, Miamisburg, all right here by us. I don't know how you divvy them up between maybe Springboro and Centerville, but, you know, that would be something I would think we would, we should talk about. I get, you know, you want to play for your school and do those things right. But, um, you know, Michigan does it. They find a way to do it. Why couldn't we take a look at something like that? Right. No, I agree. I agree. Well, um, I want to thank uh, all you guys for coming on. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, maybe we should, uh, Scott, who is the management of this whole thing, uh, maybe we should uh, reconvene again sometime in the middle of the year uh, with these Absolutely. gentlemen and, and kind of talk about how the, how the year is going what has changed and uh, maybe go on from there. So, uh, you know, I want to thank uh, Pat Murphy uh, from the Capital Hockey Conference, Tony Morris from the Southwest Ohio High School Hockey League, uh, Sean Evans, the representative of the Great Lakes Hockey League, Ryan Kelber of the Greater Cleveland High School Hockey League, and Mark Rasmus from the Northwest Hockey Conference for joining us tonight. Uh, gentlemen, thank you so much for your time. Thanks for having us. Good time. Thank you for having us. Thanks for organizing it. Anytime. Anytime. This episode of the Ohio Hockey Digest On Air podcast is brought to you by Team Ohio. With reasonable fees, transparency, and athlete development that has prepped players for teams at all levels, Team Ohio is here to coach players for success both on and off the ice. Go to TeamOhio.com to learn more. Well, Scott, it... it <laughs> I guess I don't know what to say uh, about today's show because the wealth of, of information that we were able to gain uh, took a lot of speculation out of uh, what's going on this year. So we got to learn a lot about what's going on throughout the state when it comes to high school hockey today, tomorrow, <laughs> that may be a different story, but right. we can go to bed tonight knowing what we know today with, with the state of high school hockey uh, as we talk to the commissioners of all the leagues uh, today, and uh, I, I'm so thankful that they were able to take the time to come on. And it was interesting to get their ideas on how they wanted to run their their league. Uh, the Greater Cleveland High School Hockey League is the only league that is altering what they're going to do. I, I guess the question as of now. Is, yeah. Right, as of now. But is that because of the size, right? I mean, you're dealing with 34 teams the swole is dealing with six yeah that one's you easy know, they all make it i think anyhow right great lakes right. they all make it yeah absolutely so it's it was interesting and and um i thought it was a great great discussion round table with all the guys and hopefully uh you know people around that are listening to that around the state of ohio got some more information about what is happening <laughs> like we joke about every time uh this hour yeah with with regards to high school sports 
Yeah, it's uh, like we said at the beginning, we might come away with more questions than answers, <laughs> you know, with with some of this stuff. And as you can see, uh, just kind of the each each guy talking through what they're going on in their specific area. It's all different. It's all they're all dealing with different levels of COVID problems. Uh, they're all dealing with a different number of teams, a different format for their tournament. Um, and it's just, you know, it's a, a daily challenge because things are changing so much. Like I think the Capital Hockey Conference, they're going to have to change how they pick those top eight teams to play in the Blue Jacket Cup. Because uh, like we said, I think on last week's, you can't plan for, well, we hope everybody gets to play the same number of games or anything like that. You have to plan for everything being jacked up at the end of the year and how you're going to do that. That's why I really like the, the uh, Baron cup plan because uh, they're incentivizing everybody to play as many games as they can. But if you play two or you play 18, it doesn't matter. Yeah. I mean, that's really how you have to approach it, at least for this one year. <laughs> and, I, and I think you, you verbalize it correctly. You got to plan as everything's jacked up because I mean, as we know, you can't even go to the gas station right now and it'd be normal to get gas, <laughs> you know? So uh, how do you, how do we expect these commissioners to run a legit league um, where it's, where everyone will, uh, will say, Oh, that's the fair way to go. You're never going to, it's never going to happen in, in today's, in, in this era right now, uh, it's never going to happen. You know, yeah. what happens to, what happens if you've got two teams that are battling for the championship uh, before the tournament and one team has to take a two week pause or a 10 day pause. Do you push the tournament back? Do you, do you, hold, you can't do that. Right. It's, it's going to happen. happen somewhere, somewhere. Right. One of those and I'm guys, gonna knock on, I'm gonna one knock of those on guys wood. is going to have to deal with that scenario. Right. I'm going to knock on wood that I don't have to deal with it with my guys, but you're right. right. Somebody's going to have to deal with it. And, um, but you know what though, listening to these guys, it surely sounds like they, they, they understand that that may happen and working with their coaches in their league. I I'm sure that it'll, it'll work out perfectly fine. Of course, as in life, you're not going to make everyone happy. No, but, but you got to do what's best for the whole and not for the individual. So, um, you know, I, I wish those commissioners and those representatives uh, the best of luck this year, uh, as well as all their teams. So, I want to thank uh, Scott again. Thanks for uh, organizing this roundtable. It was great. Uh, Danny, thanks for doing what you do when you start to get everything right and sounding great. Uh, that's episode 32 of On Air. And it was a big one, gentlemen. It was a big one. We got to learn a lot today. We thank the representatives from all the high school hockey leagues around the state for taking the time to come on and provide the best information they can on what has and will continue to be a challenging season. Here's hoping we all get all the leagues off, all the district state tournaments off with minimal loss of games. Continuing to grow the game as best as we can. This is On Air, the Ohio Hockey Digest podcast.